Life is complicated. There is the law and there is reality. Welcome to Law and Reality, sponsored by Thav Gross. Now, here's your host, Ken Gross. Welcome to Law and Reality. I'm your host today, Brian Small. With me in the studio, our own very talented tax attorney from Thav Gross, Jenny Lingle. Jenny, how are you today? Brian, I am doing well. It's good to be here. A little chilly in Michigan, but... Um, it's yes, I, I've noticed that you you have not taken off your winter coat since, I think, a week and a half ago. <laughs> you know, it's, it's just, it's a little chilly, which is, which is unusual, because I'm usually air conditioning in the winter, so I don't know what's going on. I mean, you know, most, most people come to a law office expecting their lawyer to wear a, a suit or a, a dress, not usually their winter coat, though. My clients don't care as long as I solve their problems, Brian. Okay, well, that, that explains it. If I see you walking around with mittens, we will turn up the heat up, okay? <laughs> and with us today, the illustrious, the man about town, the our criminal defense expert and internet law expert, Corey Silverstein. Good morning, Brian. It's great to see you. And I am, uh, I'm happy that on the way here we got to have a conversation, and I now know that you actually went to a Hall and Oates concert. I look at you in an entirely different light now. <laughs> it was, it was, it was Hall and Oates in train, and my wife wanted to go see it. So if the wife wants to go, hey, I'll teach you a, a really, really good lesson in life here. Happy wife, happy life. That's all fine, but again. You, Brian Small, went to a Hall & Oates concert. I did, and I enjoyed myself on top and of it. And he'd go again, Corey. Well, well, I would. I look at you in an entire. So, so I have this whole theory right now on concerts, not to, not that we're going to be talking about concerts in, in great um, amount here today, but here's what it is. I have this got to see them before they're dead or retired tour, okay? This is what this is what we've been doing. So we've been, we've been uh, going to concerts of everybody that seems to be announcing their last concert. Uh, you know, Phil Collins, we went to uh, Elton John. Paul McCartney's 75. He put on a great show. Bruce Springsteen is looking like he's not going to be touring much longer. These are, these are the Rolling Stones are putting on a concert or, or in the end of their tour. They're 77 years old. These guys are not going to be around much longer, and then I'm going to have to listen to, like, modern stuff that I don't really like. So, anyway, I, folks, I'm not really that old, but I, I just happen to like music mostly from the 60s and 70s. So, that's anyway. A, that's a lot, that's I, a lot Brian, of... I feel like that, that does place you right where you should be. He kind of belongs there, but you're also, you're predicting a lot of demise. I mean, well, you know, you're, you're, that's, a, that's a lot of... Or retirement. Oh, I see. I, I didn't say dead i, I think just, you i think you did say dead actually. well i probably did say dead. dead i think you said dead well dead. phil collins named his tour i'm not dead yet you know we're you know talking about <laughs> nope. talking about demise and Speaking things that can death. happen right now we're going into the holiday season it is my favorite time of the year wait wait did you catch that segue demise to holidays she segued that that was Genius, Jenny. I loved it. Thanks, Brian. But <laughs> Corey's here today. What I'd really like to talk about, because I know both uh, for for adults, kids in college, things are coming up right now. There's holiday parties, the colleges, the fraternities, the sororities, the house parties, work. There's work parties. New there's Year's New Year's Eve, Eve. Christmas Eve, and drinking, I'm, driving, right, problems. We, we What's going on in the world right now? People who maybe don't typically drink and drive and aren't maybe thinking about that or maybe aren't making plans ahead. I think the first thing we want to say is if you think you're going to be in a position where you might be drinking, um, best Don't to drive. arrange other, other transportation. Uber! 
But Corey, let, Lyft. Let's, let's take it from a taxi. Parent's. I like. I like. Actually, oh my I'm, God, Brian. <laughs> grandma. <laughs> okay. What grandma if, is always my favorite. Well, what if Grandma's dead? Well, then in that case, then. But you, let's you, you talk got her about car, as but parents, don't drive it. Oh, okay. As parents, you have kids in college, and we all know that things happen in college that we're not exactly aware of. Um, I know that the the minor in possessions, DUIs, things happen. College, high school. These kids are getting MIPs in high school and in college. You so walk- as a parent, we think our kids are, are, are perfect. But, you know, let's kind of think, what if they're not? Or what if they surprise us? Or what if something happens? Or what if we know they're not perfect? Corey, what type of advice would you have a parent give their child, um, you know, to kind of set them up for life advice that if this were to happen, what you should do? Find the nearest cliff and push them off? Probably well, that's not, what they're going to do that's, after. That's but... the parenting part. <laughs> I see. But but if your kid is found to have an intoxicant in yep. their hand, um, or is at a party and they're ticketing, the I, I find a lot of eighteen-year-olds, nineteen-year-olds, twenty-year-olds think that the appropriate thing to do is is to run, run! or to be combative, well, or well, to well, not. You know what? I mean, the cool thing about this, I mean, this particular conversation is that Jenny and I both have have. Uh, children, uh, small children. Uh, Brian, you're obviously old, and your children are grown, but older. And my children are 19 and 22. But thank you. I apologize. Old, <laughs> o- older. Um, but regard. But regardless, it's a serious conversation, and it's something that that people really need to think about more and more today. Because quite candidly, you know, it's it, you know, I sound like the old guy now, but I I never thought that culture would be at the point where where younger people these days know about certain things that I didn't know until my later teenage years where now because of the internet and social media and so forth and people being able to communicate, they learn about different drugs and alcohol and uh, parties and all sorts of things that, that I never didn't know until I was later. Um, I think, I think one of the key things obviously is parenting, informing your children of the dangers of all these things. And, you know, the kids, the one thing I always hear back from, from kids is like, well, you did it. You know, I'm like, yeah, here's and I and I, I explained to my kids. Well, that was before up, there was a drinking age. Right, Brian? Yeah, apparently. Right. <laughs> Old Roman times. But but what I what I what I told them, I said, there's a big difference between there's no legal difference between what we did when we were 17, 18, 19, 20 or that age, that kind of thing. And what they're doing now, if 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 they were drinking and driving and when they shouldn't be. You, you you shouldn't be drinking and driving then. You shouldn't be drinking and driving now. But I tell the, the kids the difference, and it's a straight-up difference. Back then, if a cop pulled you over and you had had a couple of beers and you were underage, they drove you home mm-hmm. and let you deal with your parents. Yep. You left the car there on the side of the road. Now they arrest you, yep. period. End of discussion. You're going to go to jail. So, Corey, we know we want to advise our children not to do these sort of things, but we also want to protect them because if there is a way to protect them that's not going to ruin the rest of their life as a parent with a child, let's just say, going off to college. And what does an MIP say ruin their life? If you no, get an MIP. An MIP doesn't have to ruin a life. But the issue that we have is that too often you have, first of all, you have uh, parents who, who – don't take it seriously enough, and they don't realize that there's a reason why lawyers exist. And and as much as uh, oftentimes people don't want to spend money on lawyers, and I certainly understand that because of budget concerns and 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 money issues and and so forth. Ultimately, though, if you have a child um, that is in a situation where they've been arrested for, oh, 
People. an MIP or a uh, a drunk driving or a possession of uh, drugs or what have you. Ultimately, the parents need to realize that whatever is going to happen now is going to affect the rest of their lives. And and you know, in the era now of public records, online resources, and going to school and background checks and so forth, you've got to take it seriously right from the start, and you have to address the child's issue immediately. Um, an MIP isn't a death sentence because generally if you have a, uh, a child who it's a first-time MIP, uh, most courts have deferral programs uh, whereby the child um, can be put on a form of probation, be given such thing as counseling, community service, fines, of course, which mom and dad always end up uh, bearing the brunt of. Uh, absolutely. Um, if the child ends up co- complying with that, uh, the child could be uh, left with a clean record. Um, it's not a given. It's not something that, um, you know, you can just walk into court and ask for. It's generally very dependent on the situation. And and we might also be dealing in a situation, Jenny, where maybe this isn't a first, uh, first-time first offense. Maybe this particular child or uh, teenager, uh, I don't, a child is probably a bad term to use, but this adolescent uh, has an issue. And, and this is now, we've seen this as, this is a second offense or a third offense. And this is where you've got to start taking things into account. Um, surely if the, the adolescent is going to be going off to college, the last thing you want is for your child to lose his driver's license. Um, so would your first response to, to be to the parents having the discussion is, is I'm going to be angry with you, but I'm going to be more angry with you if you don't contact me so we can discuss retaining you an attorney immediately. Ab- absolutely. This is, you know, this is an era where parents need to have that discussion with their kids. You need to be in a position where your children can have a conversation with you where if they get into trouble, they not afraid, they are not afraid to pick up the phone, call and say, listen, here's what's happened. I need help. And quite candidly, oftentimes the parents don't know what to do, but the parents will at least know, okay, we've got to get legal advice. We've got to get help. We need to get people involved that can that can guide us through the situation so that it doesn't affect the rest of your so life. That, so that's the same thing though with anyone right now right I mean if you're if whether it's in a minor in possession mm-hmm. or you've had a couple too many cocktails at that party yep. and you get behind the wheel and uh, you see those blue and red lights come flashing behind you what what do you do when when you've you've clearly made a mistake in retrospect you never would have done it but that being said you got in the car you are driving intoxicated and you get pulled over. What do you do? From that very minute, do I scream and yell? Do I say nothing? Do I say anything? The cop is walking up to my car. What should I do before I put myself with, I shove my foot down my throat? Oh, the, the, the first thing you would do, Brian, is turn down that Hall Note CD. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, you know, it was. You know, with that blaring, nothing's going to get done. But ultimately, in every situation with uh, law enforcement, there's a couple things you have to think of now. I'm sure you guys, Jenny, uh, and, and I'm sure you guys have seen that TV show now called uh, Live PD. Have you guys seen that? It's on I TV now. I have not. Or... Is it like cops? It's basically to be? like cops, but it's live. Okay. And so, but it, it's a reminder, and what people need to learn from this is this is a different era. We're, we're, we're not back in Brian's stone tablet era. We're now in an era where police are wired up. They have recording devices on them. Uh, there are recording devices on the front of uh, the of the police uh, vehicles, and so 
as Brian just asked, well, what's the first thing? The first thing that people need to realize is that from the second your interaction begins with the police, you need to remember that you are most likely, in fact, you should always just assume that you are being recorded. And every single statement, every action you take from that point on can and most likely will make your situation worse if you don't behave in a appropriate manner and quite candidly, keep your mouth shut. Okay, so officer comes up to my car. I roll down the window. I've said nothing so far. I already, I've gotten out my license and my registration because I assume they're going to ask for that because that's pretty normal even when you get a speeding ticket, right? It is. Hand them the license and registration. Haven't said a word yet. Okay. Am I okay at this point? Well, at at this point, the only thing that you've done is the officers (laughs) asked for identification. and, And at this point, there's no reason to not be cooperative. One thing that we, you know, we see nowadays is we see people start whipping out their cell phones and saying, you know, sticking the camera in the officer's face. I don't have to give you my driver's license. I don't have to cooperate. I can tell you right now that when you start off on the wrong foot with the police, you're not doing yourself any favors. And you know, identifying yourself to a police officer who stopped you and providing your license and ideas as politely is certainly a good, uh, a good start. Okay, so I provided it. Mm-hmm. I haven't said a word yet. They ask me a question: Have you been drinking? Do I have to answer that? You don't. And this is, and that's a great question, Brian, <clears throat> because people, by their very nature, they're emotionally charged. Um, as lawyers, quite candidly, we're you know we're taught to argue everything. But that's not the approach that you need to take in in this position because, again, everything you say, the officers are trained to build their police reports, to build their case for the prosecutors. And the second they start asking you questions and you make an admission that, yes, I drank, you're now only bolstering their case. You're only helping their case. So if there's something that you're going to say that's going to hurt yourself, you should not say it and politely decline. It's kind of like when you get a speeding, when they pull you over for speeding. Do you know how fast you were going? And so I always found that to be a trick question. And so when 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 uh, often I've answered it yes many a time. <laughs> I, I actually generally say no. I my response to that is generally no. How fast was I going? If, <laughs> I, I I don't uh, I don't like putting myself into a position where you could answer something. Now, Corey, so they you've not you've respectfully declined to answer the questions, yep. and then they ask, and and I'm, I know that I'm probably don't have the terminology correct, but we I always hear breathalyzer. Yep. What is that? What are your rights? How accurate well, is it? Before that, mm-hmm. you're still in the car. You're still in the they car. They tell you, please step out of the car. Do I have to step out of the car? So far, I've made is 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 stepping out of the car kind of like saying something. Let's put it this way: at this point, if an officer has reason to believe that something is afoot and wants to continue his investigation by asking you to step out of the vehicle, it would be unwise to refuse because, again, you're heading in the wrong direction. If an officer politely asks you to exit the vehicle, exit the vehicle. Don't start yelling. Don't start screaming. Also, remember something else: when we're dealing with alcohol. Officers are trained. Believe it or not, these guys actually have been in these experiences before. They know what they're looking for, and they know what they're smelling. As you're moving around in a vehicle, they're looking. You may think that they're that they're not, but every time you make a move in that car and potentially move, maybe you move, and all of a sudden the officer sees an open bottle of liquor in your front in in your front driver's seat, or maybe now the officer gets a whiff of marijuana, or maybe he gets a whiff of the alcohol in your breath. Again, these are all things that officers are trained to be on the lookout so, for. So I want to segue for a second and ask sure. you a question. You just uh, open bottle of liquor. Yep. Okay. Am I allowed to have a bottle of liquor mm-hmm. in my car, in my trunk, 
in the back seat in a bag that's been the seal has been broken because obviously you buy it at the grocery store yep. and i've always wondered whether or not that's considered an open intoxicant if the seal's been broken and it's in the car you're traveling to somebody's house and you're bringing that's a, a great a, question a half a I bottle of vodka because it, it for mean, the party okay so let's hypothetically say that you leave like jenny just gave the example she leaves a party and she's leaving no, no, with, let's not let's my uncle drinks scotch. So depending on who has the party, nobody else in my family does. My mom will say, do you have that bottle of scotch? And maybe t- somebody took a sip. Okay. I put that in the in the car and I drive. Am I violating the laws? You could be. Because, okay, so let's, let's say that bottle of scotch uh, from your uncle. Jenny doesn't want to take, she doesn't want to fess up to the bottle of scotch. And that's okay. <laughs> so Jenny's uncle uh, gives that bottle of scotch, and that bottle of scotch, which was open, uh, is in fact in the vehicle within a place that the driver could reach it, drink it, etc. Yes, you're most definitely could be charged with uh, operating with, uh, uh, op- excuse me, with an open bottle in the car. So you've got the open bottle. You haven't been drinking, but the bottle's there. You still can be charged. This is yes, and this is why what people need to be smart about is they need to take those when you're driving around, and if you're transporting liquor, put it in the trunk. Lock it up. It's not that hard. Now, does and, it matter what see, kind of trunk you have? So I have a little SUV. So when I'm packing up for Christmas and I've got the the presents and the appetizers and the food and whatever, you know, if I'm bringing the scotch or whatever else my mom asked me to bring, even though I could technically reach it because my, my trunk doesn't, you know. Well, I, I think at that point, you know, there is a little bit of common sense at play. And if you're driving an SUV, and you're driving the vehicle. It would pretty. It would be pretty difficult for you to to reach back <laughs> over two rows of seats, over the seat. Hey, maybe down I'd ask the children feet. to pass it up. Well, now you're getting now you're getting into a whole other issue. But, but, but so so the so the open bottle is is a concern. So just and this is a time of year where that stuff does happen. Put, just lock put it, it up. Put it in the trunk. It's it's you know we see it all the time and it's just it's ridiculous. And so so back to you've been you've been pulled over. Yep. You're. You're, you've been asked to get out of the car, and so now you have to do gymnastics on the side of the road. Yes, we call gymnastics on the side of the road. So at this point, the officers are going to continue their investigation by conducting what's called a field sobriety test. The field sobriety test are some of the stuff you have seen in the movies. They're going to take a pen to test your eyes, and they're also going to make you recite the alphabet on one leg or count uh, certain numbers without stopping and I can so forth. I barely recite the alphabet when I'm standing on two legs. That's the and 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 frankly, Brian, that's one of the the candid parts of this is that oftentimes this is a a highly uh, defensible position, which is why again this entire process needs to be you need to be very. So careful you've done that. Doing. Now they want to do the breathalyzer. Yep. What what are your rights? So let so first we should distinguish when you say breathalyzer. So on the actual scene in the state of Michigan, there would be what's called a PBT test. This is the little machine that you guys are typically used to little it looks like a little square it has a tube in it you'll blow a straw you'll blow into the straw and then at that point you'll see the results now first of all it's important to note that um pbt results are not admissible uh at trial because of their unreliable their unreliableness and so uh ultimately if you refuse to take a pbt the worst thing that's going to happen to you is that you could end up getting a ticket for a civil violation meaning you could get a uh um, you know, and that's a, what they offer at the scene. So. Okay, so now I, I, I take the PBT. Yep. And at what level do they arrest me? At, if, at point .08. You will point be 08. So, if, so if I blow a point zero seven, mm-hmm. 
do they sit around and wait for the alcohol level to go up? Because I, as I understand it, of, that, that if you've had a couple of drinks, it takes a while to get through your system. And the, and the longer you, for a period of time, the longer you wait, your alcohol level is going to go up before the, it starts to go down. This depends on who the officer is. And, <clears throat> and because this is where the officer is going to make the determination of, okay, how sober are you? How intoxicated are you? And if the officer believes... And again, the PBT works both ways. If the officer believes that the PBT is inaccurate, he could still place you under arrest for suspicion of uh, drunk driving, take you to the station where you would then be administered what's called the data master test. This is a test that is far more accurate. Uh, it is admissible in court. And under Michigan's implied consent rule, if you refuse to do a data master test, your driver's license is automatically suspended for one year regardless of what the outcome of your case is. So it makes no difference the second that you refuse what's called the Michigan Implied Consent Rule and you refuse that data master, you've now just lost your driver's license for a year. Um, so that particular test, you should not refuse. That would that is that is a and that's the one they mistake. administer at the station. At the station, it's it's a it's a very it's a much larger machine. Um, you'll see that when they start the test, there's actually an observation period first, where the officer will watch you first to make sure that you don't put anything in your mouth or do anything that would um, screw up the test results. They'll also set the machine up. Uh, it generally runs uh, self calibration tools. Um, it's a much bigger discussion. Yeah, I for heard that. Day. that People with dentures can screw up the the test. That braces can screw up the test. We have adults that wear braces. Well, there's also there's also a lot of urban legends, and this is you know this is like a lot of the like a lot of the nonsense that you know people say, where they say to the officer, oh I'm you know I'm not drunk. I I uh, swished some mouthwash before I left. I mean, or my cavities are holding the alcohol in my we, teeth. I think I saw we, a CSI on that. We've seen <laughs> I've seen some pretty ridiculous things. I mean, I've seen everything from people saying, "No, I you know I, I failed it because I vomited an hour ago." I mean, it, it's all sorts of ridiculous. So, stuff at what point it. do they call the attorney, Corey? Well, it, it, as far as the from from a criminal defense standpoint, I always say the earlier the better. And ultimately, if you get pulled over and you know you're in trouble and you want to send a message to your uh, to your lawyer, whatever. There's nothing wrong with that. But ultimately, the second that you realize that you are being placed under arrest, it is a ample opportunity to say, I have nothing further to say. At this point, I want a lawyer. It is a smart But I didn't have to, to say anything from the second one. You didn't have to say anything from the start. And this is where also people are misconceived. You can refuse to answer questions that are self-incriminating right from the start. There's no reason why an officer can't force you to admit that you committed a crime. there's We, we have constitutional protections to that regard. Now, now, Corey, a lot of people will say, well, you know what, I know I'm guilty, so what good is an attorney going to do? And what I'm asking you is, do you have maybe a couple examples or just one example that would say someone without an attorney, what the consequences could be versus what having a, an attorney you could negotiate uh, through the court systems? Yeah, I mean... So, so let's, let's, let's give a little fact here. Sure. Blew a point one one. Mm-hmm. Okay, so definitely legally drunk. Yep. Now, in Michigan, we have something called super drunk, too. Correct. Right? Which is over 0.2, is that correct? Or is it over 0.15? No, 0. 5? it's over 0. 0.15 or 0.16. Man, you, you got me on uh, the... Sorry uh, about that. I now, know it's... Now, I, you, now you put me right on the spot. And of course, right when you put me on the spot, I have to... Uh... So, but Corey... But, all right, so, so anyway, you blow a 0.11 and you've been... So you're you're not, you're not guilty of 0.17, Brian. driving while impaired, operating. You're guilty of driving 
Well, at a point one one, you'd be charged with operating while intoxicated at a minimum. It could be your second, third, fourth offense. So, what's the difference? Years ago, it used to be there was impaired driving, and then there was drunk driving, so to speak. So we have so there there's operating while uh, visually impaired, which is the lesser included offense of operating while intoxicated. Um, Some of the benefits of being able to take a plea to operating while visibly impaired over operating while intoxicated is that your financial fines are basically split in half. Your obligations to the Secretary of State for driver responsibility fees go down from $1,000 a year to $500 a year. Um, And also the the sentence may be uh, lighter in terms of court. But this is a something that you know, a lot of people go into court and they are way too fast to simply plead out because they don't get legal advice and they don't realize that there are uh, factors in their particular instance that might entitle them to a reduced plea or even potentially defenses that could ultimately uh, uh, have it adjudicated as, as a uh, no cause or have them found not guilty. I mean, and these are all things that have to be considered. But without having an attorney who practices in this area to actually review the facts of your case, Brian. Um, candidly, it, it, you know, to the best example I could give you, it's, it's no different than in, in, in your profession, Brian, people who try to file bankruptcies on their own. I know that you oftentimes see them try to do it on their own and it doesn't work out well. Well, no, I explain to people, you can, you can hire me for this amount of money or you can come back to clean, for me to clean it up and it'll cost you three times the amount. And the same thing goes in criminal law because ultimately people will get in, they'll take pleas that they shouldn't, and then they come to the lawyer and say, hey, I took this plea, now I realize I shouldn't have, what do I do? And this is why the general rule of thumb is get on the phone with the attorney as soon as possible once you know you're in trouble. But going back to the original point you made, Brian, and I, and I can't emphasize this enough, people way too often thinks that they can, they think that they can talk themselves out of trouble with police officers, with prosecutors, and what have you. It's simply the wrong attitude to have. It's not going to happen. It's a, it's a bad attitude to have. And I'm going to tell you something else, just while we're on this note. The whole, uh, hey, my uncle's cousin's nephew is the sergeant at such and such jail <laughs> doesn't work either anymore. Because remember, these officers are being recorded. They can't do that sort of stuff. It, doesn't, it simply doesn't fly anymore. They don't want to be the next officer on, uh, on an expose on, on the 6 o'clock news. I imagine not. But here's what, what, it, what it comes down to, folks. One, if you're driving uh, during the holidays, don't drink. If you're drinking, don't drive. All right? Uber, Lyft, taxi, get a friend to drive. Whatever it is, it's not worth the cost or the trauma to your life if you uh, get pulled over and you're convicted of drunk driving. That being said, uh, I'd love to continue this conversation, but we've got to, got to talk about announcements. And uh, it's crazy, but... uh, We've got a seminar coming up next week, Wednesday, December 12th, from 6 to 7.30 p.m. It being Christmas time, we've got a great one. Give a smart plan to your family, an estate plan. We're going to talk about the estate planning essentials, how to avoid probate, how to handle a probate fight if you get in one. Myself, Ken Gross, and Jeff Linden are going to go through all the issues that uh surround probate issues and estate planning, including discussing the will, the trust, the patient advocate, the powers of attorney, all the things that you need to have a complete estate plan. Attendees get a free $300 gold certificate off the cost of any estate plan. All you do is sign up at lawandreality.com or thavgross.com 
Or you can call us at 888-235-HELP. That's 888-235-4357. Also like to invite everybody to watch the TV version of Law & Reality every Sunday at 11 a.m. on TV 20. You watch us. We're exciting. If you're at church or out and about, hit the DVR button. Watch us in the afternoon. We're still exciting. It's fun. Um, Also, we have another seminar coming up after the first of the year, after you get all those credit card bills. Wednesday, January 9th from 6 to 7.30 p.m. It's time to eliminate the debt. We're going to talk about how to preserve your future income for you and your family so you have something to retire with. We're going to have a special segment with Jenny Lingle on resolving tax problems and tax debt issues. And attendees get a free copy of Ken's book, Dump Your Debt. Sign up at thavgross.com, lawandreality.com, or call us at 888-235-HELP. And as always, we offer a free consultation, whether it be on debt issues with myself, tax issues with Jenny, estate planning again with myself, business issues with Ken Gross, criminal and uh, internet law issues with Corey, elder law issues with uh, Pat Samasco, or disability issues with uh, and social security issues with uh, Jeff Kirshner. Give us a call at 888-235-HELP, and we will be happy to get you in to address your needs. Corey, we got about 30 seconds left. Any final comments heading into the holiday season? Heading into the holiday season, it, you know, the best advice I could give you guys isn't necessarily the legal advice. It's the common sense advice, people. Be safe. Don't make stupid decisions because these are decisions that will come back to potentially destroy you. Uh, criminal charges are have devastating uh, effects on people's lives, their finances, their families, and it's time to be responsible, guys. Jenny, your thoughts? You know what? I think you need to have in your wallet the number for an Uber, a Lyft, a taxi, a grandma, a friend, someone that you know. So should you end up in this situation, even though you thought you were going to have one cocktail and had three, that you have an alternative? Have my number in your wallet or tattoo it <laughs> on your leg. <laughs> Wishing everybody a happy holiday season again. We'll be back next week with Law and Reality. Thanks for listening.